Thanks for listening. Join us now for Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. Speaking of having fun, there is this comedian. His name is Brian Regan, and he is hilarious. We've actually played bits of his on our show. The Me Monster is one of them we played, and the Pop-Tart bit. He's just a hoot. You got to check him out. But he's got this one bit that he does about going to the eye doctor, and he starts by saying, you know, I went to the eye doctor the other day, hadn't been there in over six years. How could not, how could instantly seeing better not be at the top of your to-do list. How do you go six years without going to the eye doctor? But he said, the answer is, I'm too busy. I'll see tomorrow. You know, I don't have time to improve my vision. It's funny, but it's true. This whole idea of being busy, being too busy. We can be so busy doing all the things that need to be done that we neglect what is most important. And we were having a conversation about this on the air here on the morning show I don't know, it was, it was a couple months ago about striving and a listener texted in and this is what she had to say. So this is wisdom from one of our listeners. She said, for years, I thought that my inability to rest well in the Lord was because I had to work hard and I had to do more and fill my calendar. But what was revealed to me a couple of years ago while seeking the Lord was that it wasn't really that I thought I had to work harder or do more. It was all about being busy, almost like a way to avoid the deeper things, the real life-giving things, like really dealing with and working through things in my marriage or some of my own woundedness and trauma or things that needed to be done or dealt with but could easily be put off because I was too busy. And that is a huge stronghold of the enemy to keep us so busy that we're distracted from thinking about God, from praying to God, resting in God. It's a distraction from dealing with, thinking about, talking about, and processing about things that are affecting our very soul and are affecting our relationship with God, with family members, our finances, reconciliation with other people, because we filled our minds and our lives with such busyness. It's crazy. And we call it working hard, right? Providing for my family, doing God's work, taking care of my responsibilities. Busyness can many times put certain responsibilities and God's desire for us on hold. And honestly, so that's the end of her quote. Great wisdom from Kristen, I believe. And I can totally relate with Brian Regan because... It's been four years, three, four years since I went to the eye doctor. And at that time, they said, get glasses. And I've been too busy to get glasses. Seriously? Seriously. How can you see? Well, I can see well enough, apparently. Well enough. Oh, no. Well enough. Don't get in a car with Perry. That's funny. Again, we're laughing, right? That's funny. But that's the whole busyness thing has us settling for well enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm well enough. I'm doing I'm doing well enough. And I think, like, God wants us to deal with some stuff, but we're so busy that we settle with well enough. And I've seen this played out in my own life. Over the last 10 months, um, my dad went on ahead of me to heaven on January 1st of this year. And there have been so many times, especially over the last couple of months, it seems, when I'm just scrolling through my photos and I run into a picture of my dad. And then the emotions, they just come right to the surface. And the sadness of missing him so deeply just like interrupts my day and interrupts my life. And immediately my response has been, nope, 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 no, no. I am not going to deal with that right now. And I just shove it down for another time because I'm busy, right? I'm at work or I'm with people or whatever. And I just can't go there 
right now, which is okay. It may not be appropriate to just let myself go when I'm at work or with with a group of people, whatever. It would be okay if at some point I'm I dealt with it later. You know, I sat down with the Lord and just revisited the picture and processed those emotions. But it's not okay if it's under the guise of, you know, being too busy. I'm actually avoiding something that needs to be addressed. And I know that there's work that the Lord wants to do there in me. Maybe as you hear this this morning, something comes to mind for you. A relationship or a mindset or a behavior that just doesn't doesn't get addressed because you're so busy. What do you need to do today to begin to let God speak to you about it? Psalm 139, 23 and 24 says, Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. How do you think God feels about you? You ever wondered, how does God feel about me? Galatians 4, 6 and 7 says, Because you are sons or daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into your heart, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son or a daughter. And since you are a a son or a daughter, God has also made you an heir of eternal life. John Eldridge writes in Knowing the Heart of God, Come back for a moment to Jesus probing questions about our feelings for God, his Father. He almost seems puzzled. Are you not much more valuable than the birds and flowers in the field? Will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go off to look for the one that wandered off? How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? In other words, don't you know how your Father feels about you? Jesus did. He walked through the world knowing he was the beloved son, the favored one. It's what enabled him to live as he did. As Jan Bovemars wrote, Jesus had the heart of a son, knew himself to be the son, felt very much like a beloved son. He looked on God as Abba, his dear father, lived in a father-son relationship. The divine relationship son-father filled his human heart. It was his secret, his joy a constant awareness, a basic attitude that determined his behavior. This relationship was meant to be our secret, your secret and mine, our joy as well. We were meant to know this too, first through our earthly father and then by the extension of our earthly father to our father in heaven. But few there are, John Eldridge says, Few there are who came through their childhood with such knowledge intact without a trace of doubt. John Eldridge from Knowing the Heart of God. Mm, it's so good. I mean, this whole this whole thing, you know, if we could grab onto how much God loves us, we would enter into every conversation differently. You know, we would go about the stuff that's risky that God's calling us to do that just feels like, ah, I'm not ready. I'm not qualified. I'm not whatever the case may be. When you know that you're loved, it's like, okay, it's, I'm not on the line. I'm safe. I'm secure. God loves me. I can go for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, what John is talking about is how we look at God as Father and, you know, how we look at his feelings for us in light of how we were parented, Mm -hmm. particularly here by our our Father. But you can 
say your your mom and dad and you know my parents were awesome but they weren't perfect yeah and me and Teresa you know we we were very intentional we were very intentional about pouring into our kids but we weren't perfect right we missed it you know I I poured love on my kids as they grew up but again I I missed it in some ways there are ways I did big time and the other night I was reading this particular writing from John Eldridge that I just shared. Mm -hmm. And I got on my knees and I prayed, Lord, forgive me for not loving Kaylee and Taylor the way I should have. Mm -hmm. Help me love them better now. Now, I prayed that knowing full well that, that, you know, I could never have done it perfectly. Mm -hmm. But still, I mean... I am sorry right. that I missed it in some ways. And so is Teresa. Mm-hmm. And the really cool thing is that we've been able to talk about this with our kids. And I think that that, that you know, goes to show that they trust us enough to share with us the, the struggles they had growing up, the things they perceived, the things they missed. You know, they didn't like going to daycare. You know, that was a, that was a revelation. That's been a revelation here in just in Recent, the last, yeah. you know, year or two, mm-hmm. maybe less. Yeah, I've had those conversations with my kids as well. And it's just so incredibly painful because all I ever wanted to do was love them well and give them the best of the best of the best in mm-hmm. the places where I failed to do that and actually even not only miss something, but caused harm. That is so painful. And I have again and again apologized. And, you know, my kids will say, Mom. You've already apologized for that. That's already forgiven, you know? But I think for each one of us where we have our own woundedness, it's hard to then receive the love of a perfect father because it feels like it's impossible, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That he can love us so perfectly. But the more that we can grab onto how deeply we are loved by him, the better we are and the better our kids are. And even the painful things that we caused in their lives are going to, press them into the heart of the father, which is the place where they're going to be loved perfectly. Yeah. And here's the thing, no matter how you were parented, you may have had abusive, like really abusive and completely neglectful parents, but that cannot keep you from the love of the father, the love of the father breaking through and revealing who he really is. That's the awesome thing about having a father in heaven he can overcome any obstacle, right? any obstacle. And regardless of whether, you know, you've got great memories of your childhood and you had a wonderful family or it's quite the opposite and you could maybe spend your lifetime trying to come up with one positive memory, regardless of where you are, there is a love that awaits for you that so far exceeds anything you have ever experienced in your life. And it's real and it's available to you today. Mm-hmm. So, Heavenly Father, just uh, break through to our friend listening right now who just needs to know that they know that they know that you love them and that you treasure them and that you delight in them. Lord, it is through your miraculous power that you can break through and reveal that kind of love to my friend. And we ask that for ourselves as well. Hey, if life is crazy, seems out of control, you're wondering, what is God up to in my life? Well, what he's up to is that he is in the process of making you like his son. 
That's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Romans 8, 29 and 30 says, and this is in the message, the son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him, in Christ. After God made that decision of what his children should be like, look like, he followed it up by calling people by name. After he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. He set them right with himself. And then after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. Mm. This is the process that we're going through to become more like Jesus. And I love it how he, you know, he sets the original design and he reveals it in Jesus. And then he calls us by name. You know, we hear him calling us by name. He sets us right with himself and he continues to change us. And one day we will be just like him. When we see him, the the word says we will be like him. And so... You know, it's easy to lose sight of what's going on in our lives, but there is a solid purpose, Mm -hmm. rock solid purpose. Even though things may be spinning out of control, God has destined us to become just like himself. And this, Mm -hmm. it's happening right now. I've definitely had the thought in my lifetime and more than once, there's no way I could be like Jesus. I mean, the way that Jesus responded to moments when you take snapshots, you look at his life and, and you know, when he was getting, he had every reason to be offended and angry, how he kept his calm. He just walked about in peace. He saw the person in front of him, not for their behavior, but for their identity. Like he treated people with such dignity. And, and we see, I mean, come on, he did miracles, made blind people see and, you know, lame people walk and all these things. So we see the life of Jesus and there have definitely been, you know, I've had the thought, there's no way I could do what Jesus did or there's no way that I could be like Jesus. And so I just want to point out that's some stinking thinking right? because we're supposed to be like Jesus. This scripture says before you were ever born, before you ever took your first breath, God's intention for you is that you would be like Jesus and that work is happening right now. Yeah, and it's not try harder. Mm-mm. It's not try harder because we are the work of God. He started it. He started the work in us. And so if he started it, he's going to finish it. He started it. He's continuing it. Continuing it. He'll finish it. And and there's this there's this dance of us being uh, pliable mm-hmm. and working with him and responding to the prompts that he gives us to become more like him. But, you know, this is his work and it's, you are going to be like Jesus. Yeah, we all are. So we need to take care of the stinking thinking. And it's not about trying harder. It's about surrendering more. Not trying harder. Yeah. Trusting more. Trusting more. Open palms, you know, instead of the clenched fist, instead of white knuckling and trying to, you know, control and make things happen. It's letting go, (laughs) opening up, receiving and responding. I just can't believe how quickly time flies. Last, not last summer, but the summer before that. Yeah. So summer of 2021 my husband and i were on vacation in cancun mexico and we went on this excursion to the cenotes which are underwater caves and we got all suited up in these wetsuits water shoes life jackets helmets with flashlights on them and i was like okay this is a little overkill 
You know, I mean, all this gear is just a little much. That's what I thought until we got deep into the caves. When we started out, we were just ankle deep in water with our life jackets on. I'm like, okay, whatever. But the further we got into the caves, the more necessary all of the gear became. So we're walking between stalagmite, you know, on the floor of the cave. And I was so glad I had my water shoes on because that stuff was rough and unexpected. And you just keep bumping your toes on them. And the water was so cold. I was really grateful for the wetsuit. I am a... I am a real baby when it comes to cold water. So Mm. the wetsuit was an absolute necessity for me. And at one point we're swimming. I couldn't touch. And the clearance between the ceiling of the cave and the water was probably less than a foot. Mm. So I was super grateful for both the life jacket and the helmet at that point. Claustrophobic at all? It was brief, but yes. To To have water and the ceiling and just this short amount of space was... Yeah, and even the helmet took up more space, right? So, yeah, it was a little stressful, but exciting in a, you know, in a good kind of way. Good. To get through that. But at one point, we were deep in the caves and we're floating in this deep water. And our guide had us all hold hands and form a circle. And then he asked all of us to turn off our flashlights on our helmets. And then we let go of one another. And he said, just be completely quiet and completely still and float in the water. Hmm. So we did. And when the last flashlight went out, it was so crazy dark. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, dark. <laughs> oh, yeah. Deep in a cave, dark, like I've never experienced in my whole life before. And I couldn't see a thing. I put my hand right in front of my face and I couldn't see it. It was dark. And so after a few minutes, I don't know, it was probably like 45 seconds or something like that. But at some point, the guide himself turned his flashlight back on and we could all see again. We could see each other. We could see the cave. You know, we could see our guide because his light was shining from his helmet and it was illuminating everything around us. And what a difference that one light made. And once the light was turned on, we could see how far apart we had drifted from each other. We were just all over the place. This reminds me of a Bimmer story. It, I'm sh- Of course it does. Yeah. Bimmer was Clearly. my best friend growing up and we would play in our basement. We'd turn all the lights off. And we would, somebody would be it and the person it would try to get you to laugh, you know, so they'd know where you were at. And one of the times I think it was, I think Bimmer was it and he was trying to get us to laugh. And we had these beams, these support beams in the basement with these little metal knobs that came out of the beams. And he ran right into one of those things (laughs) and got this huge lump on his head. But yeah. Oh man. Another another Bimmer story. Another Bimmer. There are more. Oh, I know. There I know are they're more. endless. <laughs> Was it the last time you had played that game? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Okay. Probably not. All right. We do live in a dark world, and the darkness is frightening. And in the darkness, we can't see where we're going. It's literally impossible to navigate in the darkness, and we definitely lose sight of one another. But Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, your light, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I mean, that's how we're supposed to walk and live and move in the world today, being a light. The electricity or the electric company, you know, doesn't see darkness, see a dark world and fear It sees opportunity. How much more should you and I not be terrified by the darkness, 
but see it as our moment to shine. We were made for this. Yeah, and there's this false humility that says, you know, don't let anybody see what you're doing. And I don't know that that's completely false humility because, you know, Jesus says, you know, be humble and don't do things to impress others. On the other hand, he is saying, you know, really let your light shine so people can see it and give praise to God. Yeah. I, you know, I struggle with this when I'm fasting because I, w- I don't want anybody to know that I'm fasting. Yeah. And yet I'll, you know, drink something for lunch instead of having lunch. And, and somebody will say, why aren't you eating? Right. You know, so it's, it's sometimes it just takes some discernment to figure out what, where your good deeds or your pursuit of God or what you're doing is visible yeah. and when it's not. Well, I can see the difference. The difference would be that you being in the lunchroom and being asked yeah, and walking down 8th Street in Holland with a sign on you saying, <laughs> right. I'm fasting. I'm sorry I can't join you for lunch today. <laughs> I know you were about to ask, but I'm fasting. Did yeah. I mention I'm fasting? There's the difference. <laughs> yeah. There it is. Well, today, wherever you go today, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. God will come through for you. He just will. Daniel was an ancient man of faith, and he had enemies. His enemies were the ones who conspired to get Daniel thrown into a den of hostile, hungry lions. Daniel's enemies appealed to the king's ego. Sign a law that only you should be worshipped. And the king did sign that law. Mm. And Daniel broke that law. He wouldn't worship a mere man. So Daniel was sentenced to the lion's den. His enemies cheered. The king was grieved because he'd been tricked, but mostly because he loved Daniel. And Daniel was thrown to the lions. Daniel 6.20, when the king came near the den the next morning, He called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? John Eldridge writes in Knowing the Heart of God, This is the world that is still going on, where injustice wins, where good men and women and children are thrown to the lions. But God doesn't walk away from the mess we've made of it. Instead, he lives almost cheerfully certainly heroically, in a dynamic relationship with us and with our world. Then the Lord intervened is perhaps the single most common phrase about our Lord in Scripture in one form or another. Look at the stories he writes. There is the one where the children of Israel are pinned against the Red Sea, no way out, with Pharaoh and his army barreling down on them with murderous fury. Hmm. Then God shows up. There's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who get rescued only after they're thrown into the fiery furnace. Then God Mm. shows up. And of course, Daniel is rescued in the lion's den. God lets the mob kill Jesus, bury him. Then he shows up. Mm -hmm. Do you know why God loves writing such incredible stories? Have you ever wondered? Because he loves to come through. He loves to show us that he has what it takes. Oh, my goodness. You know, I could add my own story to the list, right? Mm-hmm. Shauna was, you know, just felt like 
life was not worth living and wanted to take her own life, but God showed up. That is my story mm-hmm. and continues to be my story that God shows up again and again. Just this morning, I was thinking about this. I was listening to a devotional on the way into work and it was talking about the monument being set up after, um, actually after they came through the Jordan River and yep. saying, this is what God has done. You know, they set the, grabbed stones as they walk through and they set them up and they said, when your kids ask you, what are these stones here for? Tell them what God did. And I just started to think through my own life, like what are, where are the places where, you know, there needs to be monuments. I need to write something down or I need to set a place so that my kids can see this is what God did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Standing stones. What are the standing stones in our lives? Yeah. Uh, you know, those times when God's delivered us, you know, I was overwhelmed by shame as a teenager and God showed up and of all places, mm-hmm. the rec center in Sheboygan where I destroyed my ankle and you know, it really happened, Ben. I believe it. Yeah. Just, just wrecked my ankle and friends brought me home. Mom prayed. Lord just took away the pain of my ankle and revealed his love to me. You know, it, God always shows up at the, it seems at the last second, mm. you know, when we're, we're at the end of ourselves. I think that's why he shows up. I think he shows up in those times just just to kind of show off even yeah, more. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like maybe this is for you and maybe it's just for me, but I feel like those words, then the Lord intervened, need to go somewhere. Maybe it's on the mirror in your bathroom, you know, so that you can see it every day. And just, it's a seed of hope, right? Then the Lord intervened. Then the Lord intervened. It's not, um, it's not the rare occasion. It's the way of God that the Lord intervenes. And so there's a place in your life right now that, that seems hopeless. And it seems like it's just not, you can't see any hope in it at all. The Lord intervened. Those words need to be inserted into your story so that you can begin to look for the ways that God is working and moving. Mm. What are you facing? What are you going through right now? I'm sure the big thing comes to mind. God will come through. And listen to this. The story of Jesus is the best story of them all. Because in that story, even death doesn't keep God from coming through. Thanks for listening to Barry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.